We're not 10 cleansed. Where's everybody else? It's a rhetorical question Jesus asks in our gospel, isn't it? We're not 10 cleansed. The obvious answer is yes. Where are the others? Where are the other nine? Was no one found except this foreigner? Jesus is the master of questions. I told you that last week. And this week, I think we should take that as our entry point. It's a good entry point for us into the gospel reading. Where are the others? He, of course, meant it rhetorically, but it's good for us to consider. Where did those other nine guys go? And the simple answer is, they went back home. Wouldn't you? I don't know how much you know about being a leper, but it's kind of like having COVID. You're stuck in quarantine. Anybody have that experience in the last few years? It's awful, isn't it? Being stuck in quarantine is the worst part of having COVID. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. Everybody looks at you like you're some kind of a weirdo, and you're just stuck. At first, it was 14 days. Then it was 10. Then was it seven? I lost track somewhere along the way. But for a leper... There was no end. At least there was no prescribed end. There was no CDC recommendation in those days. There was the law of God. And the law of God made it quite clear that as long as you had leprosy, you were to be put outside. You were quarantined. You were stuck. You were isolated. You were alone. You were separated. And you had to tell everybody about it. If anybody got close to you, you were supposed to call out, unclean, unclean, so that they could stay far, far away from you. So where did the others go, Jesus? Well, they went back home. And they went back with gladness. If you were in quarantine in the last two years, you know how happy you were to go back to your old life. You know how wonderful it was to go back to work of all places, right? That was one of the things that quarantine did for us. It reminded us that even going to work was actually a good thing, to go back to the old ways, to go back to your old life, to get out of quarantine, to get out of your own mind, right, and go back. That was the joy of being declared clean by the CDC. Ten days have passed. You are clean. Where did the others go, Jesus? Well, the answer is obvious. They went back to their old life. Wouldn't you? Where are the others? Why did they go back to the old ways, Jesus is implying, when they could have something even better? That's the point. That's what that Samaritan man found. He found in Jesus not just a way to get back to how things used to be, not just a way to go back to his family, to his wife, to his children, to his job, to his friends, to his town, as happy as I'm sure he was to get back to the old stuff. He found something better. He found new Life, life with Jesus. And that's the point of this wonderful miracle that is recorded in St. Luke's Gospel, for Jesus Christ has come to give you the same thing, not just a return to old stuff, but behold, Christ makes all things new. But we like old things, don't we? I like old things. You know, that's how I judge whether a hymn is good or not. I look down at the bottom of the page, and I see if it was written before the year 1500. And if it was before 1500, then it was good. And if it was after 1500, then, you know, maybe it's okay. 
I think most of us in this room are pretty conservative people, aren't we? That's how we describe ourselves. I'm a conservative. I like old things. I'm old-fashioned. I like the old ways. And even if you're not politically conservative, it's not too hard to know this, that all of us, all of us like old things. Old habits die hard. We like the familiar. We like what we know. We like what we've done, and we like to stay in those things. We all like our ruts. We like to have our ways, our little habits, our little routines. And when we get disrupted from those, well, we don't like that so much. Christ Jesus has come not to say, hey, just stay where you are. Just remain in that old life. No, Christ has come to call us to something new. Behold, I make all things new. That's what that Samaritan man found. And you can just imagine those other nine going back to their homes with smiles on their faces. They went back to the temple because that's what you had to do. In order to be declared clean, you had to go see a priest. See, uh, leprosy is not, there's no such thing as asymptomatic leprosy. Right? It's obvious. It's on your skin. You can see it. It's like a living death. And so in order to be declared clean, in order to be restored to your family, to your community, to your home, you had to be declared that. You had to go to the priest, and it was the priest's job to come out of the temple, to look at your skin, and to say, actually, yes, you are healed. You are clean. And then that priest could take you into the temple and would offer the right sacrifices and you would be restored to your old life. And that was a good thing, right? Surely this man, after he got up from the feet of Jesus, went and did all those things. I'm absolutely positive of that. But what this man, what this Samaritan man found at the feet of Jesus was something far better than any priest in Jerusalem could ever declare. For the priests in Jerusalem could only restore you to your old life. And Christ Jesus came to give new life. So you notice what he said to the man at the end of our story today, don't you? He said, rise and go your way, your faith. And the English translation is a little weak. He didn't say your faith has made you well. They were all made well, right? Were not all ten cleansed? Why would he just repeat what was already obvious? No, Christ Jesus there in Samaria, Christ Jesus declared to that man a far better verdict than any priest or any health official could ever give. He said to that man, rise and go, your faith has saved you. That's the Greek word that's used there. Your faith has saved you. That is the gift Jesus brings long ago, and that is still the gift that he brings to you today. Not just the continuation of this life. How awful would that be? If this world was simply to go on forever, if this present life was just to go on forever and ever and ever, with all of its sin, with all of its evil, with all of its bad news, would you want Jesus to say, hey, this world, 2022, is going to last forever? People, that's hell. This world for Groundhog Day, the movie, that would be hell. Christ Jesus has not come to reestablish old things. He has come to bring you into something better, something new, and what he calls it is salvation. Now think of that this morning, salvation as a way, not just as a one-time event in your life. That's often how people talk about it. Were you saved? When were you saved? And they give a particular day and a particular time. By the way, if you're ever asked that question, just as a Lutheran aside here, what do you say? 
when I was baptized, right? That's when God saved you. But what he began in you on that day when you were baptized is this whole new way of life. Salvation is a present reality. It is a way opened before you, a new kind of life. That's what Jesus gave to that man there in Samaria, and that's what he gives to you as well. Listen again to how that way of salvation is described in Proverbs. It says it this way, the path of the righteous, the way of salvation, the life of a Christian is like the light of dawn, you know, like the morning sunrise that we all look out at for about two seconds. We say, huh, that's pretty. Now I got to get back to my coffee. Jesus says that your life as a Christian is like the light of dawn, which is not just a one-time, oh, nice, but it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. The life of a Christian is not meant to be one event in your life. It is the whole path that you walk on. It is the whole way in which you go. And Jesus says for Christians, for those who have the word of God, that path is full and full and full of light. But if you don't have that, then you're on a different path, right? And that's why Jesus asked that rhetorical question, where are the other nine? Was there only one who wanted to walk on the path of light? Where did those other nine go? Why did they go back into the darkness? Why did they go back to the old ways when the light is shining, when the dawn is rising? Why do they stay in their beds? Why do they sleep their life away? When they could be with me, Jesus is saying, why would they go any other way? Those who walk apart from Jesus, those who live without Christ are described this way in Proverbs. Listen to it again. The way of the wicked is like deep, that was nice, deep darkness. It is deep darkness to not know Jesus. It is deep darkness to walk without the word of God. It is deep darkness to live according to your own wisdom, to live according to your own plans and think, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I know the good way. I don't need any help from Jesus. You might as well be stumbling around in the dark. Christ Jesus has come to pull us out of that dark. He's come to rip us out of the old sinful ways and to put us on a new path, life in him. But to get out of the dark and to get into the light, we have to pass through the cross. For Jesus, salvation always meant the cross. And when he healed those lepers, when he brings you new life, it comes with a price. It comes with the price of his own blood on the cross. And now, now we give thanks to God for this cross. We give thanks that he has sent his son to fill the cross for us, right? We don't want an empty cross. We want an empty tomb, but we want our crosses filled up with Jesus, And thank God that he has filled up the cross for you, that he has taken your place. But see, when Jesus gets up there on the cross, he doesn't say, now, you stay down there away from me. No, our salvation is that Christ brings us into himself. And that means there is a cross for each of us to pass through. You heard St. Paul put it this way. He's talking about these two ways, the old way, the way of the flesh, and the new way, the way of the spirit. And what did he say at the end of the epistle? He said, all those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That is, you have been pulled up into the cross of Jesus so that your flesh, with all its sinful desires, can be killed. Crucifixion is not a pretty thing, is it? 
We have Jesus on the cross here and we give thanks for that, but it is not a pleasant sight to see a man on a cross. And it's not a pleasant thing to hear that you are to crucify the flesh, but it is a necessary thing. We know this passage, Galatians 5, because we like to teach our children a little song about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And by the way, this song was written after the 1500s, so it's one of those that's you know, not so strong. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know this one? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, for such there is no law. How come nobody wrote a song about the works of the flesh? How come nobody wrote a little kid's song about sexual immorality and impurity and fits of anger and sensuality? To ask the question is to answer it, of course, right? But here's the thing. St. Paul spends a bunch of time and a bunch of space listing these things out. And the reason he lists them out is not simply so that we can ignore them. But the reason they are listed out is so that we can cross them off. That's what it means to put something to crucifixion. It means to cross it off. When Jesus was put on the cross, he was crossed off. And what we are called to do, having been baptized, we are to live out now that reality, to cross these things off. So it would be good for us to sing a little song every morning. It would be good for us to list these things out, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, sexual immorality. It would actually be good to physically write that out so that you could then cross it off. The Romans were experts at crucifixion. And I think you should all become experts at crucifixion too. I think you should become experts. I think St. Paul would want us to become experts at crucifying these things. And the way to become an expert at it is to first do it on paper, to write those words out and cross them off, to strike them out. You can even take kind of a sick pleasure in it if you want. I'm sure that the Roman soldiers took sick pleasure in putting the nails into their victims. Well, you can take pleasure in crossing these things off because guess what? They don't do you any good. Fits of anger, what does it get you? Sexual immorality, what does it gain us? The world is drowning in this junk. You should be those who cross it off. Strike it out on the page so that you can then strike it out in your heart. You can learn to cross these things off every time you feel them rise up. Cross these things off. Crucify the flesh and all its sinful desires so that the fruit of the Spirit may grow in place of those things. Can you imagine what your life would look like without these things, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy. If you could cross those things off, wouldn't you be glad? In holy baptism, that crucifixion has begun in you. And what happened to you in baptism is meant to be the way that you walk now the rest of your life, to put these things to death so that the fruit of the Spirit may grow in place of them. See, that's the wonderful reality. Christ Jesus has changed the cross from being simply an instrument of torture to being an instrument of salvation. And the new life that he gives to his Christians does the same thing. To cross off the works of the flesh will not leave you empty, but to cross off the works of the flesh will leave in place of those things the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, these are not simply things that we want little children to sing about. These are the things that we want to characterize every moment of our lives. 
So crucify the flesh and all its sinful desires. Become an expert, like a Roman soldier, at crucifying these things. That you also may be an expert at bringing about the fruit of the Spirit. And as you do so, you will find that the words of Proverbs prove true. The way of salvation really is like the morning dawn. It really is like the light that rises in the morning and gets brighter and brighter and better and better until the day when Christ Jesus himself will appear, and then we will need no more sunshine, for he himself will be all in all. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.